0: The book of job starting in chapter 32 so now we have a new person show up i didn't pick up on this the first i don't know many times that i read through job because i just my eyes glazed over at the names of the different people the different friends but in the beginning of the book it tells us that three friends um, come to meet with Job and it was those three friends that up until now he's been going back and forth with well now a fourth friend or at least a fourth person uh, has shown up named Elihu and he has more wisdom than the other friends and his anger burns at Job because he's justifying himself before God and so Uh, Elihu understands that no man can stand justified before God. He was also upset at the three friends because they had found no answer. They just kind of gone back and forth and wasted everybody's time. But Elihu was younger than the others, and so he kind of waited and deferred to his elders because they were older, and uh, so he just kind of waited and listened. And so when he finally does speak, we see that he's actually wiser. And of course, the wisdom was to to wait and see what his elders had to say. But then when he finally speaks, we see he's actually more wise than the elders. I actually think he's a picture of a, a young remnant type generation to come up. Uh, if you think about the when Israel was in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt, the older generation had to die off, and uh, a new generation that that sought after God in all of His ways and totally depended on Him was the one to take the land, and, and throughout the history of Israel, God would uh, have judgment on the greater people, but then He would bring out a remnant, which of course typically is younger and but not necessarily always younger in age well he's doing, doing the same thing now and again I, i'm not i'm not saying certainly it this will appeal to younger people just because they're less likely to be set in their ways but it can be young or old it doesn't matter it's people who are young in spirit and willing to follow after the lord that god can use to mature and teach his wisdom and so i, I kind of see a picture of that in Elihu here and Elihu says, look, you guys should be more wise than I because you're older. What have you been doing with yourself? He said, but it's the breath of the Almighty that gives understanding. And so if you don't have it, you're not going to have that understanding and wisdom. But he says to the friends, not one of you refuted Job. And yet there, there's room here to refute him. So you said nothing when you should have. He says, your arguments were useless. They didn't, they didn't refute Job. They didn't accomplish anything. So he says, let me tell you what's up, and I, I will not be flattering anyone. I'm going to tell you the truth because I have to answer to God. And then we move on to chapter 33. And Elihu basically says, I'm, I'm speaking the words of God here. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. So he's basically boldly claiming, I'm speaking the wisdom of God. Again, that's why I see him as a picture of the sun company in this new generation. I say again, I hadn't actually read this since last year, but I feel like the Lord was pointing that out to me. And as I read further, it's, uh, I feel like it's confirmed. And who lists out the type of things Job was saying, that Job was, uh, was guiltless. And he says, how, how, can you, how can you account yourself that way before God? He says, God speaks. You know, he speaks and no one notices, he gives a dream or a vision, um, and, you know, he's, he's speaking all the time and yet most don't hear, so how can you claim to be without fault? He says he orders the the circumstances of people's lives in order to direct their lives when they're completely unaware, they just... They're just dealing in circumstances, but God is the creator of the circumstances. Obviously, I'm I'm doing heavy paraphrasing here. I'm I'm trying to give a a different insight on what He's saying. And it's interesting. He even talks about, um, you know, some uh, that a man needs delivery from going down to the pit, and then he talks about an angel coming and uh, saying, "I have found a ransom." So, uh, you know, that's of course what Jesus did for us. Is became the ransom for us and he went down to the pit for us and came out as victor. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. So that talks about the new life, the, you know, you must be born again. That's this new life, this youthful vigor. And then he will pray to God and he will accept him. So as Jesus prays to the Father to accept his sacrifice for us, then we're accepted by God. And in the same way, he positions the, the many sons of God once he establishes them in the heavenlies to, to go after the way that Jesus has uh, been a forerunner for, first fruits. And he says, that, you know, that the proper thing for a man to say is, look, I've sinned and I've perverted what is right. It's not proper for me the way I've been, but he has redeemed my soul from going to the pit. My life shall see the light. And so he says, God God is continually working in people's lives behind the scenes in ways we don't understand. And then he, he's filling his oats. He says, Job, <laughs> pay attention to me. Speak if you can, but if not, be quiet and listen, because I'm doling out wisdom here. And then we move on to chapter 34. And he says, you wise, so-called wise men, listen for, hear the ear test words as the palate tastes food. So he says, Test with your own ears what I'm saying if it's not wisdom. And he's really calling into question Job. And really, I think so far that's the only error that I see is that he doesn't know that God himself has called Job righteous. But he's correct that no man can stand before God as, as righteous without Christ. Um, but so, he, you know, he's really calling Job to account for, for his bold claims that Job had made earlier. But he's, he, stands, he stands up for God and God's righteousness. He says, far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to do wrong. He says, surely God will not act wickedly and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him authority over the earth and who has laid on him the whole world? If he should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh, all flesh would perish together and the man would return to dust. And he basically said, if God wasn't just, this whole world would fall apart. It only hangs together because God is just. He's a worthy king, and he is in control. He says, God is the only one that judges fairly between people. He's not impressed with the things of men, whether it be wealth or position, etc. Because all are equally made by God. God judges men, and he sets the time of that judgment, not us. And really, that's a powerful understanding because Job and all his friends, as I've been mentioning, they're understanding it as like Job has been judged. His friends think Job deserves it. Job says, I don't deserve it. But he's basically, they're all taking an account of Job at this time. Whereas God has a bigger view, a bigger picture. And Elihu has understanding of that. He says, who's to say today is your judgment day? This is just another day in your life. So Elihu has better understanding than all of them when it comes to this. He says, men don't seek God wanting to know in what ways they offend that they can't think of. Men, go, I'm adding to what he's saying, but this is, I think, the, what he's trying to say is men will quickly admit when they know they've done wrong, and men tend to feel righteous if they feel they've done right. But he's saying a, a, a proper heart before the Lord is, Lord, how I, I know I've done badly and I repent and I ask for help to change, but I also want to know how I should change in ways that I'm not even aware of. And that's something that does happen in our life, is a lot of times God works on us in a particular area where we need to grow or change and then later on after we've grown and changed, he shows us a new area where we need to grow or change and so on and so forth in order to continue purifying us because if he made us fully aware of all the ways we were falling short it might overwhelm us but he's loving gracious merciful and he wants to grow us and he's willing to work with us where we are he, he's not demanding that we be perfect all at once because nobody can handle that. Instead, he prompts us, this is what you need to work on right now, and then this, and then this, and until we go become more and more purified. The picture often told in the Bible is of purifying gold or silver, where at first there's a lot of junk in it, and that's purified out. Then you take a little bit purer gold, and then you purify it again. And then it's even purer. And then you purify out more dross. And then again and again until it becomes very pure gold. And so it's the same picture as how he works on us in our lives so that we can handle the process. And then so it becomes, you know, we look back and we think, wow, it's amazing. Look at all these changes. But he doesn't give us more than we can handle, he gives us what we can handle. And then. Once we progress past that, we move on to the next stage, and so Elihu here is basically saying, why Why don't men seek the Lord in that way, looking for new areas where they can grow and be transformed? And then the last few verses, he's he comes very, very strong against Job. <laughs> he's, that's I think the only way that Elihu really, I think, gets a little off track with God is he he's a little too strident in attacking job um, whereas god is more understanding that job has just lost just about everything i mean everything other than his wife he's lost and um and so he's a bit uh unmerciful here (laughs) in attacking but in his standing up for god god's purity his righteousness his justice um he's he's doing quite well and then we move on to chapter 35 and Elihu continues and says what are you saying that you're as righteous as God or more righteous than God how's that to your advantage excuse me said. So said yeah what he means by that is uh what's in it that Job is basically saying what's in it for me to live righteously when this happens to me and Elihu answers and says, look, you can't hurt God by your sin. He's far greater than you, which is similar to what God's going to say. Um, not so much dealing with sin, but, but God's going to show Job how vast he is. And, uh, and so he's saying, it doesn't matter to God if you sin. You're, you're only hurting yourself. It matters to you if you sin or live righteously. It's your life that's either blessed or cursed from it. And your life affects other people. So how how do you want to affect other people? Do you want to be a blessing or to be a curse to others? He says there's people that are downtrodden. They're in a lot worse shape than you, but they don't cry out, you know, where is God? Why does he not answer? They're not so filled with pride as you are. He says you're saying God doesn't listen, that he isn't concerned, but you're all caught up in yourself. If you, you can't say you see him, But he will bring justice if you will only wait. So he says, just wait on the Lord. Quit trying to assume that God should act on your timeline. And that's a powerful lesson for us all to always remember. Um, Especially when we start to hear things from God, we start to have understanding. I I know I've had to learn this (laughs) a couple times the hard way. So I came to understand something from the Lord and and, later learn that doesn't mean it happens right away Um, you can hear correctly if but a lot of times the lord doesn't give us a date or a time on when these things happen and so we just assume it means quickly in this case job is feeling just tremendous you know, it feels like judgment to him, although he can't figure out why he's judged. And he's like, well, why is this? This doesn't happen. And the reality is it, it, it wasn't judgment at all. His, his judgment will come much later. Um, he's simply in the continual testing of life. And he ends the chapter by basically saying, Job, you're a fool. You're speaking nonsense. And, uh, and then we'll finish the rest of Elihu's speech uh, next time. God bless you.